Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the call here on Ausbiz Live from our Brangaroo Studios. Great to have your company. Ten stocks picked by you, analysed by our expert panel. We do it all in one hour on this Tuesday, the 6th of December. Let's introduce the panel. Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. How are you, Michael? Hi, David. Prediction for, uh, will this be the last interest rate increase in this cycle? I reckon it could be. I I know the market's pricing in another couple next year, but I think there's a very good chance this could be yeah. the last one. Mark Gardner from Macro, what's the Macro view? Uh, I don't think this will be the last one, but I don't see, I, don't, I probably don't see two more, maybe just, just two more in total potentially, but yeah. um, we'll see how things start to play out next year, I suppose. Wait yeah. for a little bit more data with US CPI next week, so And al- who knows? also just data from here on how much it's biting at the moment. We sort of started seeing it with retail sales, consumer confidence, yeah, that sort of stuff. Aren't so we? we might, uh, I think the Australians are a little less gung ho than the Americans. Yep. Um, it's certainly obviously aggressive rate hike cycle in the US and it just doesn't seem to be bearing any teeth at all. So no. that services index number last night and the employment number on Friday were just... Yeah. Why, the, why is that, do you reckon? They're probably a little that? bit late to the party. It might sort of bear teeth um, you know, later, um, later this year or early into next year. I don't, I don't think the uh, the Black Friday sales were as good as as sort oh, of right. said. I think it was more to do with the discounting to get rid of inventory than it was to do with um, actual volume right. and revenues. So, um, but we won't find that out till until mm. updates. And Michael, the the thing is, I suppose that's worrying central banks. These interest rate increases had their own life cycle in terms of how quickly they ripple through the economy. Mm. And you know, if you if you go too hard, and the fear is the thing will just crunch. That's that that's right. And we've seen, you know, in the US um, particularly, there's there's the two evils there. You either crunch the economy, or you or you stop too early and end up with a lot of inflation. I think what the market hasn't liked over the past few months is Jerome Powell making it pretty clear that we don't care about the economy at the moment, it's inflation, that's number one. We're mm. just going to keep going until that dies. But we have seen cracks recently with those lower CPI numbers and a few board members in uh, in the US uh, now starting to um, take into consideration the fact that, yeah. well, you know, we also don't want a, a deep recession either. Yeah. So it's a balance. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, is that? All right, let's uh, get into the stocks that uh, we're going to cover in this first half hour. Going to have a look at the Centuria Industrial REIT, Blue Scope Steel, Washington H. Sol Pattinson, Adairs, and Evolution Mining. That's a good cross-section of stocks, isn't it? As we uh, kick off the half hour with our stock of the day, thought I'd uh, we'd take a look at Warrego Energy. I don't think I think Warrego's come up only a couple of times here on the call. Uh, being circled by a number of billionaire-backed empires, uh, Jenny Reinhardt's uh, Hancock Energy and uh, Kerry Stokes' backed Beach Energy. 
The latest is an off-market takeover by Hancock at 28 cents a share. Warrego says the offer is superior to that of Beach. Let's take a look at how Warrego shares are performing today. Bit all over the place at the moment, waiting for uh, it to come through. But uh, look at that spike in the last month or so. Um, I've have a mate in there, um, Green with Envy, that he's uh, <laughs> followed that up. It's been a long wait. I think there's yeah. known this resource has been there for two or three years. So yep. I dare say there'd be a lot of frustrated people out there who have just who had given up and and you know now watching it watching it spike. But um, nothing like a good billionaire stoush. Nope. Um, <laughs> so I think. Uh, you know, 28 cent takeover bid, the stock trading at 32. You're probably a little bit of, uh, you know, being a billionaire stoush, a bit of ego premium there that yeah. if they want it, they can they can take it. I think the Hancocks have got an $18 billion war chest at the moment. So they're uh, they're looking at picking up, I think, some rare earth assets and things like that as well. Yes. Um, but I did some sort of back, you know, back of the napkin sort of maths. I mean, realistically, at 32 cents where it was trading this morning, um, I think it's uh, 87 terajoules a day at, 50, at um, 5,800. So I think it's $5.80 a gigajoule per day. Right. Making about 500 grand a day. So it only really, that asset on a gross, in gross terms, as I said, fairly um, rudimentary maths, pretty much paid off in a couple of years. Really. Right. So, you know, it's not, a, it's not particularly expensive um, and it's really easy to get to as well. It's not a, it's not a complicated... Um, it's not a complicated process getting it out. So right. I, I think it's, you know, the question really is why, you know, why didn't someone come along and grab this earlier? Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, with European gas shortages, etc., I, I would have thought, you know, it's, I'd have been sitting there thinking, well, why hasn't someone um, yeah. had a, you know, had a look at this? And I think that's what Strike did. They own, I think, 25% of the company. They're basically, yeah. they've sort of pushed it into the public sphere by going with the takeover and then, Everyone else has realised, you know, this looks pretty good. So, okay. um, so, so yeah. you missed the boat. Oh, I mean, <coughs> thirty-two cents. You missed the boat. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, if you're in it, hold it. Obviously. Uh, yeah. If you're in it, hold it. I mean, we we generally like to sell, particularly if it's at a premium, we like to sell half just in. But with three takeover bids and and a couple of you know fairly well funded billionaires having a crack at it, I, I can't say it not going through. Right. So. Um, if you wanted, uh, you know, if you wanted your cash back sooner rather than later, then thirty-two is probably not bad for half, and take okay. the risk out of the equation, and you know, you may be able to go and pick up something else towards the end of the year. Okay, Michael. Yeah, similar thoughts. So, um, again, with most takeovers, you get, you know, you get one offer. Um, often, it's better to to take that off the table than risk having the having the takeover fall through and the shares fall the way back to where they started. Yep. In this case, we have. Uh, you know, a couple of high-profile bidders. Um, they're bidding it up. That's that's clearly a clearly a positive. But we also have to bear in mind that you know Beach started at 20 cents, then they moved up to 25. We've got Hancock now at 28. So the the current bid, from what I see, is 28. It's trading at 32. So yeah. to make more than 32, it's going to have to move from 28 yeah. to what 33, 34. I mean, that's another huge jump, and then it starts to become a bit less less and less likely. So I mean, I'm on the fence in terms of, you know, taking it off the table or holding out for a little bit more. Probably more leaning towards start to take some off the table at 32. Um, so sort of almost go half, like Mark yeah. Was I saying. mean, even just yeah, even just take half off because again, yeah. 
you know, the offer's not at 32, it's at 28. Mm. Yep. So they're going to have to deliver something higher than what you currently get on the market, and that's 32. Yep. And, and at least by selling it on the market, you don't have to go through the drawn-out process of waiting for those funds. You can get your funds now and move on to yeah, other opportunities. Yeah, even if the bid goes to 32, I mean, you just get your cash in two yeah. days. So, yeah, yeah. So why not, why not sort of um, put that to good use? I mean, even you can even get decent... Um, decent yield in the bank at the moment so it's not yep. like you know a year or two ago where you were just getting nothing yep. so yep yeah. good advice all right let's look at the stocks that you want us to uh analyze and mark uh gabba wants a view on the centuria industrial reit uh reits most of them trading at a discount at the moment aren't they but uh industrial are. ones are hot yeah look uh they, this and goodman's has have had a good rally out of the lows yeah. Um, so this one at NTA is worth about $4.24 a share. It's currently only trading at about $3.25. Hmm. Uh, traditionally, t- uh, has That's a 25% yeah. discount yeah. to their so NTA. The, the last valuation was around June. Um, ah, right. So, you know, we, you have to be mindful of that. But, but industrial stock property wouldn't have gone down. Yeah, and, the, and, the, and there's a forward shortage of this stuff as well. Yeah. So... Um, this is one of my favourite REITs. This is we've had a staple holding in this. Um, mm. I think it was my advent last f- for last year, and which you know yep. hasn't particularly gone well. But you've also taken five five percent yield this year. Um, I think it'll it'll work itself out in the wash. But the average whale is eight point three years. Um, dividend yield is, is expected to be around about five and a half percent next year. Um, 20% of their leases are indexed to CPI, which is outpacing the interest rate hikes. Mm. So, yeah. um, and 98% of their leases are net or triple net, which means that they've got no ongoing expenses for those properties. So, yeah. picked up some pretty good customers this year in Amazon and Mercedes, uh, albeit only sort of a couple of percent of their portfolio. Um, they've got around about uh, 25% manufacturing distribution Transport and data, I think data's only about 14%, but their customer there is Telstra, so um, they're, they're all really good blue ribbon customers, mm. um, and over a 99% occupancy rate as well. So overall, this thing's not really going anywhere, and with the, I think there's um, estimated to be 3 million square metres of industrial real estate needed to be built over the next five years, um, mm. and we've, but, uh, sorry, over the next three years, and there's really only a million square metres in the pipeline. So, right. and these premium locations as well, are, yep. um, you know, are where where a lot of these properties are, particularly these uh, distribution centres, you, you can't mm. you can't just go and rebuy that. And um, as you say, Goodman's the other big one. So there's such a shortage of land. Their uh, strategy is to book a, put a second story on yeah, the warehouses, which there's is Yeah, there's some engineering issues with that um, overall, and I think they've been talking about that for a couple of years. Yeah, um, okay. I've got a client who actually did a, um, a bit of research, who's a structural engineer on the, on that, and right. uh, he said there's, you know... It's it, not as easy as it sounds. It's not as easy as it sounds. Um, <laughs> sounded like a good idea, you thought to yourself... Gee, that sounds like a no-brainer. But someone like Amazon or Woolworths with their automated um, uh, warehousing systems, yeah. it's to do with the weight on the top floor. Right. So they may be able to achieve it, but look, I mean, it's a, hard. it's okay. probably not the right environment to be going and swinging through the fences on that on that right. particular thing. I think right. you probably you wait for more, you know, wait for more stable times. Um, but yeah, and look, that but that doesn't. Um, reduce the scarcity of those you know yeah. it just doubles the rent for those yeah. properties so there is there is upside here 
We were, we were, I've, I've been quite overweight this from the majority of the year, uh, particularly in the last sort of three months. We've been trimming back to a normal size allocation now. And um, yeah, but overall, I don't think, I, I don't necessarily, it's sitting on the 200 here at the moment. We've, we've, we've still got a Fed decision in a couple of weeks. I'd probably yep. wait. I don't okay. think there's any, there's any reason to buy it right, you know, right now. But any, any dip back to you know, around $3 or, or thereabouts, um, I think you'd be, it's a good long-term hold overall. Hold it though. Yeah, yep. absolutely hold it. Michael, what do you think of the Centuria rate? Yeah, I like the business. We like industrial property. Um, as Mark mentioned, they've got sort of good lease terms. Um, they have some great tenants in Woolworths, Arnott's, Vizzy, etc. Um, I mean, my, pref my preference in industrial property has been Goodman. That's the one that we've been and buying. And still is. Yeah, and still right. is in the last few weeks. Um, if it wasn't for that, I'd, I would have been happy to pick up some, some of this one as well. I just didn't want to be overweight, that whole sector. Mm. But um, I can see the appeal of this stock. And obviously, yeah, it's affected by interest rate movements. So it's suffered this year with interest rates going up. Um, but at the same time, a lot of these property stocks seem to have bottomed, in my opinion, in the last few weeks. We've seen right. the expectations for um, Australian interest rates move from was about 4.1% um, RBA cash rate, and now the expectations are 36 So that's, that's a huge move, and that's basically corresponded to the big bounce in, in yep. the REIT. So I think the REITs have bottomed. Um, as, as Mark mentioned, there might be some short-term weakness after a nice run, but I'd be looking for a buying opportunity. They both okay. don't have a lot of debt either, Goodman's or CIP, like, right. and, and it's very well structured. Um, so, I mean, they, they don't have any real worries. They, they, they basically hedged most, you know, a great deal of it yeah. earlier in the year. So it realistically isn't a... So you, Michael, a hold on this or a buy? Um, I'm a hold. I'd prefer to oh. buy it a little, bit, a little bit cheaper. Right. But Goodman is your... Um, it's my pick. So you prefer Goodman in this space between the two? Uh, Goodman's got a little bit more development involved, so I just I think it's a slightly riskier play. But when the when the smoke clears, Goodman rallies a lot harder than CIP does because right. CIP is probably the the more stable option. So right. we we switch back and forth quite a lot. Okay. So yeah, it'll just depend on um, you know when things settle. Goodman will probably have you know a little bit more upside. It tends to run harder. Okay. Uh, Mike wants a view, uh, Michael, on Blue Scope Steel, the big uh, steel-making group, uh, famous for its colour bond um, housing products. What do you think of, um, of Blue Scope? Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's looking, looking good here. It, um, they had an AGM a couple of weeks ago and they reiterated the guidance and initially there was a, a bit of a sell-off. Maybe the market was expecting some sort of upgrade, but the share price has since recovered. I could see volume coming in on the chart. Um, clearly, the COVID, uh, the easing back of the COVID restrictions in China is helping helping stocks like this. So, again, I think this one's this one's bottomed out. We've seen the the low in the cycle potentially, and um, yeah, I think it should should improve from here. It's been a tough one to. I've been looking at it previously as as a potential buy, but um, but it has been quite volatile. It's been difficult to pick the um, the entry points, but now it seems like it's. It's on the way. So if you like the company, I think even at current levels, um, you should still see some upside. Okay, so buy, buy yeah. on Blue Scope. Mark? Yeah, the stats look really attractive. Um, obviously, there's you know, concerns around um, construction, etc., and input costs. Um, the low Aussie dollar really helps as well uh, in terms of export. Um, it's a high-quality business overall. Spun out of BHP, obviously. Yeah. And... Um, 
it's got an extraordinarily <coughs> low PE. I think it's you know low, it's close to low single digits. So wow. the return on equity has been really consistent as well. Uh, and I, I I'd be happy to have a have a like a nibble at this, but I think you're um, there's a lot of those really good industrial companies that have that have been fairly beaten down this year, and there's worry, obviously there's still some uncertainty out there. So I wouldn't be going necessarily a full allocation just just on the macro outlook. Okay. Um, but, but, you know, this is sort of one of the, it'll be top of the list when I start to dip my toe back into that particular sector. Um, I'd really like to see, you know, um, usually those industrial stocks tend to hit a bottom around about when we actually hit the recession, uh, genuinely starting within the okay. economy. And um, so you've got to, you know, at that point, you really, you really are closing your eyes and pressing the button, sort of things. But right. uh, yeah, yeah. it's usually where, you know, where where they are. That so that, this is one of a handful that you. Yeah, I mean, the great companies like James Hardy as well, um, Brickworks right. and things like that. So it'd be, um, be the sort of thing that you know we we just sort of there's certain sectors of you know like tech and industrials that we're mildly concerned on it from a cyclical and macro um, standpoint but we've got our we've got a, a very a very short list where we'll we'll, okay. we'll start to but i'd be happy to start buying you know okay. small allocations of this over and just split it up into four or five clips over the next six months and you'll okay. probably get a good average price overall put you down as a nibble yeah. all right uh claire speak of brickworks uh claire wants a view on washington h sol pattinson the big investment company um Big stakes in uh, New Hope, the coal miner, uh, TPG, and Brickworks, um, amongst a whole bunch of other companies. Yeah, look, Brickworks is obviously is a you know way of representing this position as well. Um, I mean, if you look at their consistency over the last twenty years, twelve point two percent per annum, basically. And um, what they're what they're investing in at the moment, the thematics are. Food, secure, food security, energy transition, um, financial services, health and education, right. all of which are you know, t- top of our list, um, particularly energy transition um, and the food security part. So, so what uh, are they in food? What are they doing food security? Um, I'm, look, I think they've got some water. Basically, ah, they're, right. investing, in, they're right. investing in water. Um, and, and also which, they came up a couple of weeks ago, Lindsay or Lynch Transport, Lindsay Transport, which um, Lynch, um, that um, Sol Pats has a big stake in, and it's a transport group purely for food. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, uh, freezers and yeah. freezing transport, that sort of stuff. But to give some context, if you put 100, so it's outperformed the index by about 3.4% every year for the last 20 years. So if you put 100 grand in 20 years ago, with Sol Patch, you got a million. If you put it in in in, in the index, while 3.4 doesn't sound like a lot, you've only got 540,000. Right. So wow. the power of compound interest. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so it's a good start. Yeah. Okay. It's um and I it's something that if I could go back in time, I'd you know I'd slap myself right. in the face and tell my. So know, these are one of these foundation stocks that you just you I, know I, uh, you have half a dozen stocks that set and forget. And, and they've outperformed. I think their last update, they outperformed. Um, they're up 14% this year. The market yep. was down 
I'm 16 at that stage yep. or something silly. Yep. So, yep. and I and I think they're in the right thematics. Um, obviously, New Hope that's sort of paying out now, and and that'll that'll subside. But I do like one little holding they've got in their area. So I think um, copper's likely to be you know in the next you know shortage as well. That's number three sort of market cap and junior copper developer um, right. uh, producer. Sorry, so. And IDP Education, I think they've got a large stake in, and ah. I think everyone seems to like that as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very good portfolio, and that they've yep. got a very good track record of managing. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's just one you do almost just you do consistently accumulate. If you've got a, you know, instead of buying an index ETF, if you've got small amount right. of funds, this would be a, probably not a bad one to be just chipping away at. So buy for you, on yeah, that. It's yeah, generally, yeah, Michael. Um, there are some good, yeah, definitely some good businesses in there. But then on the other hand, you've got others like TPG, which have really, which have really suffered, and I think the yep. share price of of Souls has suffered as well. Um, yeah, it's done really well over the long term. But when I look at it, there's there's also these these periods where it does underperform, and I think the risk is that you catch it at the wrong at the right. wrong moment. So if we have a look at if we go back a few years, um, in early 2019, it traded up at thirty dollars, and then before COVID struck, it was the share price was down around that sort of $23 level. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, yeah. So big underperformance. And then as you could see after COVID, it's had a cracking run. It's, it's basically yeah. doubled. Um, but then as we could see, if you unfortunately picked it up near that sort of $40 level, um, a bit over 12 months ago, um, you, at the moment it's trading at 28. So yeah, you just, I think you just have to, if you could time, if you could time your entry points um, a bit better then um, yeah, so is this a work. good entry point? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, when I look at the way it's trading, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not inspiring me with much, much confidence, but I think it's one for the watch list, but okay. um, I couldn't be a, a buy at this okay. point in time. Put you down as a hold though? Yeah, look, it's, it's generally meandering up, so I'd be happy to hold in a, in a rising right. market. Okay. All right. Uh, and next stock, uh, Simone wants a view, uh, Michael, on Adairs, the big, uh, uh, homewares and home furnishings uh, retailer. Um, I think this one looks looks interesting here. I mean, we know that the retailers have, um, you know, there was obviously a lot of spending, and then with the interest rate rises, a lot of concern that that would um, affect consumer demand, which we're only really starting to see see now. And we know that um, inflation has been a problem for anyone who needs to buy goods and um, and, and pass them on. So the share price of Adairs has come back quite a bit over the last year. Um, they gave a trading update about a month ago and I think the market was sort of relieved that that yeah there wasn't a yeah, downgrade to, to guidance or any sort of nasty news there. So the share price has, has held in and, and most recently to me it looks like it's it's trying to get going again. So um, I'd, I'd rate this one here as a, as a speculative buy. I think um, yeah if you take yeah have a bit of faith that interest rates aren't going to surprise on the upside next year um, and Australia may well just sort of dodge the recession or uh, yep. sort of skim off it um, because we don't have the same problems as, as in the US then you know this one this one could do well I think the downside mm. uh, as we could see most recently um, it, it's only traded as low as what looks like about a dollar sort of a dollar fifty-ish dollar seventy something like that so I think when you look at the downside potential but but look at the upside potential as well as in terms of risk reward. Yeah, I think speculative buy. Um, we've got so many good retailers in this country, yeah. don't we? Is it, would that be in your top three in terms of retailers? Um, yeah, look, I'm not, 
I'm not buying any retailers at the moment. To me, it still looks a bit right. It's still you know, up in the air as to as to what their prospects are. I mean, Harvey Norman had a fairly decent result, got hit on the day, but then it's it's recovered. I mean, JB Hi-Fi. Um, yeah, we all know that's that's a quality business, but again, the share prices sort of stopped moving for for a period of time. So I think right. the market's still a bit unsure what the okay. next move is. So at some point, um, I'd be happy to go in. Usually, we trade Harvey Norman, JB right. Hi-Fi, and so on. But but yeah, I think as I said, in terms of risk reward, this one looks like it's uh, it's pretty good. Okay. Mark. Yeah, I don't mind it, Des. It's certainly uh, the PE single digits. Uh, they're expanding. Um, you know, they're high yield, low PE, and I, I totally would echo um, Michael's comments that uh, basically it's a good risk, probably a good risk reward here. And um, I think a large amount of the negativity is fairly priced in. And I think if you if you're wanting to hold this on a long term basis, I don't I don't think it matters a hell of a lot whether you're buying it necessarily here or $1.70, et cetera, because you're probably looking for dividends and the price right. is probably is largely um, you know, relevant. So, you know, similar um, sort of Nick Scarley as well, but they're, they're high quality businesses that have showed discipline over long periods of time. And um, I think the, uh, I, we have seen retail, in the retail sales numbers, a lot of the discretionary spending shift to uh, smaller items rather than larger items over the last six months um so i i think uh the, there could be a little bit of uh pullback um you know in the volumes that these guys do um but both i mean adairs and and nick scully i think have had um you know, they, they're pretty good at cost control which is um and there's and they're starting to expand and, and get to scale which is going to help as well yeah. uh, I, I think the floods has probably helped both and they've got oh, a lot yeah. of yeah. they've got a lot of locations in uh, on the eastern seaboard particularly that northern um, northern rivers area and i think some in victoria as well so you know there'll be there'll be some insurance claims there and that'll that might help tick volumes over it but um yeah it's i think at some stage you know, when you know, if we do get a downturn in the economy, these will probably just get hit on suspicion, and you probably pick them right. up mildly cheaper. But, but you know, somewhere around, here, if you're holding for the long term, and you know, I think you'd sort of probably back their track record, it, um, and you know, be happy to be happy to hold them for the dividend. Okay, so hold from you. Hold from me. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, and our fifth stock this half hour, uh, Nick wants a view. Mark on Evolution Mining, one of our biggest gold miners, six sites in uh, New South Wales, Queensland, WA. What do you think of Evolution? Yeah, they've got quite a lot of copper too, actually. Um, oh. They've just upgraded a reserve by 63%. See, copper's becoming a bit of a theme on here on the call over the last two weeks. But yeah, look, I, I, I think I've, um, I've just recently written an article um, and I, I think there's there's going to be a, a fairly large shortage over the next over the next year, basically. And you know, copper's sort of down on the on the back of um, you know just well, common, every, common truths, really. Yeah, everyone says copper falls during a recession. Yeah, uh, but, but they forget copper is also a big component in EV, EVs. And um, historic, the historic grades dropped. The um, you know the amount of copper mines that are actually going to be in production over the next couple of years. Is extraordinarily low because everyone's run yeah. off to try and you know mine rare earths and lithium and yeah. um, and things at an exchange level LME warehousing. So, but I mean back to revolution. The but it is a, it is about well, eleven billion. Um, in, it's almost in a, it's just come off a five year low. Yeah, it's amazing. So and 
Gold's just had it. It's been a tough time to be a gold investor. Um, rising yields and rising US dollar doesn't help gold. And um, I've never... In Australian really, dollar terms, it does. In though, Australian dollar terms. But no one seems to care. No. Well, <laughs> no, that's exactly right. But, International investors don't care. Yeah. But yeah, and it's a, it has been a little bit of a US dollar trade or an interest rate trade. It, right. They do tend to bottom around about the top of the rate cycle. Um, people run to safety. That's historically... But historic correlations for gold have just fallen apart gradually over the last 20, 30 years. Well, everyone's been using the crypto argument, have they? Oh, everyone's gone to crypto instead of gold. I don't well, that was good thinking. I, I, just, I just think it's an outdated investment philosophy overall. Right. There's not really an industrial use for, for gold, realistically, not, not in terms of... I mean, you know, palladium or silver or platinum, I think, would be, right. would be, um, would be my choice. But... Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't mind this for the upgrade in the copper reserves, and um, it is it does seem to be at a low price. I think you'll probably, you know, yields popped a little bit last night in the states. Um, if we get a hawkish tone uh, from the Fed, I think you'll probably get these cheaper. Um, but it's not really. I'm not. I'm not a gold bug at, okay. at all. I mean, currencies have been backed by tobacco, by rum, by all sorts yeah, of yeah. things, and you know, this I just don't see. You know, if, if the wall for so no to a buy, would you hold it though? I, yeah, I suppose so. If, you're, I, if you're in it, yeah, I'd I'd, pre- I'd really prefer to switch to something that's got more industrial use. Okay, um, I don't so see copper. it as um, the gold standard was abandoned in the seventies. So what are your two? Well, BHP, I suppose, with copper. BHP um, covers that. <laughs> Eris, which we covered before, is yeah. another one, um, and then uh, that uh, beta shares Xmet's got. Uh, about forty percent copper in it, but it's got some really high quality, cheap um, uh, copper miners in Canada and the US oh, that are uh, okay. markedly cheaper than this than um, Oz Minerals and Sandfire, so right. um, and produce a hell of a lot. So right. that's probably yeah, yeah, that'd be where I'd be having a look there. Right. So Eris here, BHP, Sandfire, you wouldn't be. No, not at the moment. No. Right. Michael, um, what do you think of evolution? Well, Are in terms, you of, in terms of copper, um, right. I have the same same views. So I think right. next year would be quite a good one for all those right. stocks. Um, gold, yes, finally. So I mean, I've been, you know, fairly negative gold for a while. Mm. To me, it's not a hedge. It's not you know any of these magical things. And you know, a lot of these gold miners have just performed atrociously over the last few years. Um, as as Mark mentioned, a lot of a lot of the sort of correlations seem broken down in terms of interest rates or um, you know US dollar etc and then we have the crypto thing um, I guess a lot of people hope that that, that some investors will move from crypto into gold but it sounds like anyone who invested in the Ponzi scheme mm. of crypto doesn't have their money left anyway to move yep. into gold so yep. um, but but either way um, we have got back into gold over the last couple of weeks we've been buying Newcrest but I mean no. at the end of the day they're all doing the same thing and I um, I spoke about evolution here uh, last week on the trade um, on the desk, I, I think it, I think these gold stocks look like they have bottomed in timing with what I think is the peak in the U.S. dollar, um, and generally I think gold the gold price should should head higher. But you know I, I stress it's just I'm just trading these. It's I don't mm. have um, you know a lot of sort of fundamental reasons to be in gold as I would in in copper or some of the other right. other okay. metals. But I can see the gold price heading up for a period of time, even if it's only for a few months. Um, but stocks like this could easily easily double in that period of time. But you just have to trade it and not fall in love with it, fall in love with the whole 
Okay. Our story around gold being so a, you know, is it value. a trading buy at these levels? It's or? a trading buy. I'd, I'd right. be, yeah, I'd be happy to buy it. I know. wouldn't disagree with that either. They right. they tend to go on really sharp runs and and respect levels really well. So I'd I'd absolutely agree with yeah, that. Just run right. a really tight trailing stop. But you're buying. Don't muck around. Newcrest. There's your preferred. I have um, for for our clients. It's a right. little got a little bit more liquidity, but ultimately you'd have. You'll have days where one does better than the other and then they right. swap around. And I think if we take a view over the next, however long this trend's going to last, I think it's much of a muchness, okay. really. All right. And, yeah, bottom line is there's never going to be a gold shortage. I mean, there's, we don't no. use it in anything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, uh, well, it used to be the old thing that it would pick up during the Indian jewellery season and stuff like that. Well, yeah, it's a long boat of draw. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for shooting me down. Perfect. In in a really polite way. That's Mark. Mark's sort of signal for. No, I think that's bullshit. All right. Uh, let's recap. Warrego uh, is our stock of the day. Uh, both Mark and Michael sell say uh, sell half at the moment, and see how the battle of the billionaires uh, pans out. Uh, the Century Industrial REIT uh, hold from both. Uh, Michael prefers Goodman in that in that space. Uh, Blue Scope a buy from Michael, a nibble from Mark. Sold Pats a hold from Michael, uh, a buy from Mark. Adairs spec buy uh, from Michael, a hold from uh, from Mark. And Evolution, I think we settled on a trading buy from both. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. All right, here on the call, we've been following our own high conviction uh, growth fantasy fund as picked by the investment committee. Uh, latest episode of the committee meeting is live today, I think. Um, goes up, it is Tuesday. And um, is it up already, Jack, or not? It's, it's, this, it's, this, it's this afternoon, I think, uh, in the November meeting which is a bit outdated at the moment. Incitec pivot removed, seven group added, MinRes trim, and that trimming went to increase the weightings in JV, Hi-Fi and West Farmers. Uh, since the 1st of March, the fund is up 11%. Um, keep sending in your requests for the call because that's the first filter to get to the uh, investment committee. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Carl Kapalinga is king of the charts and has made a bold call. If this thing hits 7,600 again, I'm going to go fully to cash. His finger is at the ready. I've got my finger on the button. Will he or won't he sell it all? At 7,600, I'm going to cash. That I've decided. Keep watching the call as we track the index and Carl's big call. The index of the ASX 200 is 7359 at the moment. And while we're playing that, Mark is going, I'm praying for that to happen. Just to see Carl flog everything. You'd never do it? 
No, but, I, <laughs> but look, I, I don't disagree with him either, though. I've got to say, but uh, it's one of those moments where you know you make a big call and someone calls you out on it. It's not much, it's not much fun. It, um, he's he's been sort of hedging his bets and crosses since oh, then. The backpedal uh, is, is the funniest yeah. thing to watch. But, um, <laughs> it's very good. All right, let's get the uh, the second half out. We're going to be covering Fortescue, Resmed, Hanson Tech. Uh, Bendigo and Adelaide Bag and also Murbach. Um, Mark Neal wants a view on Fortescue Metals, the pure play, well, yeah, I suppose it's still a pure play iron ore uh, investment. Uh, Twiggy's fiddling around with hydrogen in there as well. And to your point, um, I think this is a sell, um, and for that exact reason. Um, right. It has traditionally been a beautifully uncomplicated business. Yep. They dig it out cheap, they ship it off, and everyone gets paid great dividends. And and that has worked, you know, and it's the old adage, if, yep. it, yep, if it broke, don't fix it. Um, and yeah, now we've had the AGM, we've had, uh, I think, executive remunerations now heavily tied to reducing their carbon footprint, Fortescue Future Industries, um, comes in and complicates the whole situation as well. It's going to cost $6.5 billion. So I think, you know, 7 8% rally yesterday. We're mm. three months away from a dividend. Um, you just need a whole bunch of people to start sneezing in Beijing again, and we'll see this thing well back into the teens. So, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm out of this for now. I don't really see the, the risk-reward in holding it. And I, I, I don't know why they don't flog off the future. Well, it's just, it's just a clever way of getting shareholders to pay for your ideas, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, why why couldn't they do it in Wailu? Why, why couldn't, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I don't, um, I, yeah, I, it's really changed the proposition for me. Like, I, I, I think the analysts have been quite, they've always undervalued Fortescue traditionally, and it's traded at a premium to analyst consensus. Um, and I think it was because of that simplicity. You right. just you knew what you were getting. It was on the box, and that's what you got. Um, right. And now, I, look, I, and I've got clients who, who want to hold on to it because they like the future, um, Fortescue Future Industries yeah. part. Yeah. If they get this right, fantastic. But it's a long, it's a long way off. Yeah, yeah. And you know, these people have owned this for the dividend, and now they've done. Now they're rejigging everything to, yeah. you know, which is going to affect the dividend. So I think you're taking away mm-hmm. uh, one of the primary reasons why this has traded a premium in the past. Um, um, you know, from shareholders, and you know, you go and, go and pick one of many diversified miners who have the same yeah. or same or lower PE, and, yeah. um, and okay. a very pretty similar. Um, yeah, yeah. lots of people talking about hydrogen, but it's all that at the moment. No one's actually delivering on it. Michael, mm. what do you think? Um, no, I, I think it's a hold. I, I tend to agree with with just about everything Mark says, but in this one, I yeah, I disagree. I think. Um, I think it's still still worth holding. Um, I think that it still moves based on the iron ore, iron ore price for now. And I, I guess I'm coming from a point of view that I'm not buying Fortescue and then just ignoring it for the next couple of years and, and hope it goes up. I, I do trade it, um, generally hold it for a few months or so at a time. I still think there's, there's a bit of upside there. Short term, you couldn't be chasing it after yesterday's move. I right. think if you get a little bit of a, a cooling off, um, and it's to me there's it's very interesting to to see the way this has traded i mean if we pull up that one year chart um on the screen again i'll explain it's just been a textbook example of yeah it's a really good case of um you know investor psychology and uh and a share price doing the opposite of what you think it would do so 
as we could see over the last year, you could it's basically traded down in a channel and we could we can hook up most of those peaks with a straight line and most of those lows with a straight line. And what happened at the start of November, um, the iron ore price hit a two year low. It broke under under that line, traded near $16. There was a lot of a lot of talk about, you know, the iron ore prices, mm. you know, yep. at, at these two year lows, it, it's all over. China's China's in trouble. But within a few days, it, it rallied back above that, that old support level on a lot of volume. Um, just as everyone was um, was thinking that, that the resource trade was over. And um, we refer to that in technical analysis as a false break. And basically all the sellers were easily absorbed by the smart money. Um, and you could see the share price ripped higher. And now we're seeing the, the mm. easing of COVID restrictions in China. And, and obviously all the, work, all the news coming out of the US with, with CPI and, and interest rates help, helping matters as well. Not only that, but a, P, you know, a US dollar going backwards is good for commodities. So I, I still think there's, there's further upside from here. Um, as I said, uh, look, after yesterday's move of nearly 7%, yeah. um, you don't necessarily want to buy it today. But you know, as, as I was coming into, into the studio, it looked like it was trading pretty well. It was down a couple of percent this morning and seemed mm. to be recovering. So I, I still think there's, there's further upside. Okay. I'm still happy to have it as a hold, okay. um, but but I take Mark's point that if you want to buy an iron ore miner, miner they've muddied the waters, and and that is a yeah. serious consideration if you're thinking of being a, yeah. a long-term investor. As, as I said, you don't necessarily. It's like I think we've joked before on the show about Harvey Norman and you know, the way he um, Jerry Harvey went out and used Harvey Norman funds to to purchase other um, projects which maybe weren't in line with yeah. with that particular business. Yeah, it's, it's a similar Same thing here. to Fortescue. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Steve wants a view, uh, Michael, on ResMed, the, uh, the sleep apnea uh, respiratory company. Yeah, I like, I like ResMed. Um, they've, it's, it's one of those businesses that, that, you know, on the one hand, you've got um, the Philips Recall, which is helping sales yep. um, in, in quite a big way. On the other hand, they, you know, they, they have been susceptible to um, cost inflation. So we've seen that in their recent numbers where margins were um, were impacted slightly because of that. But it seems like this is one of those businesses because they report quarterly because of their US listing. Often they, you know, they'll announce something which the market doesn't react to very well for the first couple of days and then it just seems to recover after that. It usually ends up a buying opportunity. Uh, as we could see on this chart where the market bottomed in June, this ResMed actually bottomed in May and was rallying mm. during a period when the market was getting sold off. But now over the last several weeks, we've, um, we've seen it really underperform the market where the space you wanted to be in was, was the commodity space. So look, it's underperforming now, but to me, it just, looks like it's, it, it just looks like it's taking a bit of a breather and I think it'll continue to head higher over time. Okay, so a buy from you? I think at these levels, um, yeah, it's at the bottom of its recent trading range, so I'd be happy to buy. Yep. Mark? Yeah, I, I like I like both. You know, I mean, Fisher and Paykel and, um, and Resmed are both um, I'm a fan of. Um, <coughs> sliding doors moment early this year for me was I picked Fisher and Paykel, which was a mistake instead of Resmed. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a quality company. Fisher and Paykel have come back. Though, they have come they? back, but it's 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 been one of the stocks I've probably had the most grumble about from clients. Right. Um, but, 
Yeah, they, I mean, they are high PEs. You may get another opportunity. I'm, look, I'm, I'm a little bit bearish leading into the year end. I think we're, we're at elevated prices. Um, so I'd, I'd be definitely looking at buying something like this on a, on a dip, uh, right. particularly coming into next year where, you know, we, you need to be starting to think about or thinking about accumulating some non-cyclicals for, for next year. Uh, and it's very easy to be lured in by them. Commodities which pay the great dividends and things, but you need your timing on these because they pay, like right. in CSL, for instance, and um, because they don't really pay a dividend, you've got to get your timing right on where you're buying. So the, um, it's, we're certainly very much hunting around for, you know, that's our plan early next year is to be trying to pick up some non-cyclicals um, for, you know, potential trouble ahead, which, um, you know, the recession's probably the, I think it's the highest probability of any um, yep. any previous. So, um, and this would be one that's de- definitely quite, you know, very okay. high on our list. So, so um, not for now? Not, not, for, not for now. We, we um, my colleague Josh, he was smart enough to wait and was uh, bought for clients around sort of 28, 29. And we've been, you know, we've been trimming out a small amount. Um, right. but, okay. Uh, but yeah, he, uh, but yeah, I think we'll we'll probably get it, you know, with a, a stock with a PE around the forty mark. I think you know we just need a little bit of a rattle um, in any way, shape, or form in the markets, and you'll probably see this pull back a little okay. bit. All right, uh, Perry wants a view, uh, Mark, on Hanson Technology. They uh, basically are, uh, customer care and billing solutions for energy utilities, pay TV. Sort of, I think your Foxtel bill comes from Hanson yeah. Technology and a lot of your electricity bills, that's what they do? Yeah, this is something that uh, most, a lot of tech companies should have, take a leaf out of their book, really. Mm. Um, they're consistent, they're low debt, very, you know, a little bit of a small yield. And, um, and, you know, if you look back in history, the companies that came out of the tech rep were the companies of these sorts of characteristics back in, yeah. you know, the early 2000s. So... Uh, it's you know management's got a really good strong track record and um, and happy to just happy to accumulate this overall. I think it's got fairly decent upside. It's got a good business model. Um, mm. It's relatively stable. It's not um, for a tech company. Twenty five, you know, twenty five PE is fairly reasonable. Yeah. Um, and I think forward PE is even less than that. I think it's around about. Um, uh, oh no, it's actually for forward PE is around about the twenty mark actually. So. Right. Um, yeah, so it's not it's not a massively exciting business necessarily, but I think they've um, I think they're, they're looking at or well, they've started to expand their business. So you probably back them to uh, for that to be an earnings okay. share uplift. So yeah, I'm happy to accumulate this one mm. overall. Michael, um, yeah, they definitely have the reliable earnings and they've done a great job enough enough so that there was um, a takeover approach. Um, some will recall last year. Um, private equity at 650 a share but they pulled out just as interest rates were about to go up and, and killed the, the tech sector. Um, I, I think this one it's not one that that I'd follow it's the, I don't I don't follow this one too closely but but just having a look at it this morning I think this is one that you need to buy on on a bit of a dip um, you know over the last year we've seen that it has these periods where it, it drops about 20 percent and then it rallies and then it drops 20 percent again it looks like it's done that about three times and and just before all these tech stocks took off in mid 2020 um, the share price basically went nowhere for for the four years prior but trading in a big range right um so yeah great business 
just hasn't translated in share price performance unless you've yeah you've taken the plunge and bought it after say a 20% drop so here it's in the middle of the recent trading range um, yeah if it, if it went back to about 450 I think you can consider it okay all right but hold it if you're in it or uh, I'd, I'd rather or no. I'd rather be in cash we'll elsewhere yeah. okay all right Simon wants a view where uh, Michael on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank one of the second tier uh, mm. regional banks banks have done bloody well in the last couple of couple of months haven't they yeah yeah so we've got um, so obviously it's been a funny year for banks concerns over recession and their their loan book and bad debts yep. and but then we've had the rising and interest rates and yep. yeah so for, you know some banks have been able to increase their margins others others not so I think unfortunately you just have to stick with with the majors if you're after share price performance I mean right. I'd love to see the Bendigo's of the world take the fight to the big four banks and and do really well but the reality is um, yeah they're just always playing second fiddle and I know you get analysts recommending these regionals as a buy every now and then based on valuation but the long term has proven that um, you're better off in the most expensive bank in the case in this case Commonwealth Bank yeah. um, you would have done much better off than chasing the cheap ones unless you were unless you were trading these things, which I think a lot of bank investors don't trade don't the banks do. every few months. Yeah. So ultimately for me, it's a no. Um, yeah, I think, I think you're, you're better off being some of the majors, but would I buy any of the majors here? Look, I think they're, they're topping out for the time being. Mm. Um, I'd wait for some weakness and then okay. try to pick up a quality bank instead. Mark? Yeah, pretty similar view to Michael. Uh, Look, I, I've been trying to pry CBA out of my client's hands, which has been a difficult task because people have an emotional attachment to it. But um, when you're getting 3% in the bank or 4.5% in some of these turn deposits and you've got a CBA at, a, at, at the top end of its PE range only yielding 3%, well, yeah. you know, I don't, I, don't think, I don't see why you would take the risk on. Um, particularly most of them are just building societies realistically. Um, and look, that, that's a great thing from... I think the the big the four pillars policy really saved our bacon in in the GFC, yep. and I don't. Um, but whether they're you know whether you're expecting to earn a great deal of money out of them, I, you know, particularly up at these levels, is is probably a little bit far off. Look, and the APRA stress tests for mortgages are two and a half percent. Most likely, we're going to be at three percent worth of rate hikes um, by this afternoon. And you know, there's people coming off. Whilst there's only about twenty percent at fixed uh, in fixed mortgages, there's people rolling off those, and they're yep. going to be on the stress test. And housing prices, you know, may may prove vulnerable. Their, their cost of living has gone up considerably. Um, I think best case scenario is a sideways housing market. And mm. you know, I I feel for those people that got got the bum steer from the RBA. Um, yeah. First time um, last year. Yeah. But we we are likely to see. Maybe not a recession, but default rates slight, you know, go up you know, a little bit higher, and um, and it is less competitive than the big fours. Yep. So, if you're looking for growth in in that sector, I'd look, I'd, uh, one I had a look at, which I had on the call last week, was Judo Bank, which yeah. I, the more I looked into it, the more I really liked, and um, and and you know, return on equity, Macquarie Bank's nearly mm. two and a half times. Benigo Bank, so and yep. and has a twenty-year track Better record options. of doing it. And commodities and energy are going to be the big thing 
for the next 12 months to um, possibly five years and they have the best energy and yep. commodities desk in the world so okay. whilst they're not really like for like um i think you'll get i think you'll get the majors cheaper i agree with what uh, michael said okay. i think you'll get them back um you know get them back under a hundred dollars at least in that right. uh, cbo final stop from uh coming up and we'll, we'll need to whiz through this uh, pretty quickly paul wants to be on mervac uh, one of our biggest residential developers, property developers. Mark, yeah, what do you think of Mervac? I immediately went into this thinking I'd want to sell it straight away. Um, I didn't get to the case of buying it, but um, you know, it's lowest completion rates for high density housing. I think uh, in the four years prior, we had 230,000 units um, completed. There's only expected to be 120,000 mm. completed for the next five years. So. There could be a case for this for having a supply shortage uh, going forward, and um, you know it's you know they do have and they they've been pioneers in this modular building as well, which is going to I immediately thought well increasing input costs etc. But that way of building is going to help them out as well. Yep. Um, so I don't I don't mind it. I, I I think there's I think if you I think there's better ways to reflect you know, um, that shortage and um, in individual pure plays. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I think there's there's a case for hold this to go. Hold at best. Yeah, I think it's a hold, yeah. Okay. Michael? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Great, it's short and sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. We, we spoke about Goodman Group and that before. They're the picks. This one, yeah, yeah just just struggling to maybe hold it, but that's, yeah. yeah that's okay. It. All right, let's recap the, uh, the final five stocks. Uh, Fortescue, a hold from Michael, sell from Mark. Uh, ResMed, a buy from um, from Michael and uh, a no at the moment from Mark, but buy on the dip next year when it comes down. Uh, Hanson Accumulate from Mark, a no from Michael. Bendigo, a no from both. Uh, Mervac, a hold from both. Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Good to see you, mate. Thank, Thank you, you kindly. Uh, Mark Gardner Cheers, from uh, Macro, good to see you as usual. Uh, look, if you want us to uh, cover any stocks in your portfolio and want me to put them to our expert panel, flick them in an email to call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. And you can check out all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, the next investment committee meeting for December is up on the website at 4.15 this afternoon. Coming up next, the small caps don't go away.